The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. What a great morning of worship, a great morning to be in the Lord's presence together, and I'm so excited about today because we're beginning this brand new series called Anxious for Nothing. And I tell you, we've been praying and planning, preparing for a lot of months, and, and I just believe God has a word for all of us in this series, but especially for me, because I mean, this is something that all of us, I think, are going through in our own lives. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I couldn't sleep. You ever have one of those nights, right? Your mind's just racing, and I'm laying there in bed, and, and you know, there's a lot of things that are happening, and, and my mind was just still going, still, still going, and, and I'm trying to go to sleep, and I can't go to sleep, and, and you know, I mean, obviously, a lot of things are happening at church, and, and we've got, you know, construction happening at Franklin, and then with our Nolensville campus, our Nashville campus, and we decided to do it all at the same time, and it's just like right here, and so my mind is like, oh, how are, you, how are we going to get all this done? And there was a thing that happened at Nolensville campus, and it was great, and I was so excited, and then just that day, somebody said, well, there may be this little hiccup, and, and all I could hear was this little hiccup, and all I could think about that night was, well, what if it doesn't happen, right? What if this doesn't go? And, and I'm running all these scenarios in my mind. I'm thinking, well, we should have done this, and we've had months of meetings and everything, but what if we would have gone this direction? And, and, and there I am, laying in bed, right? And I'm thinking, why am I not able to go to sleep? And, and I'm looking at the clock, it's like one o'clock, and then I think, okay, I'm gonna go to sleep, and I look back, it's one eleven. You know, it's like, ah, uh, you know, the, then it's two o'clock, then it's three o'clock, and then finally four o'clock, you're like, I might as well get up, right? I'm not getting any sleep here, so I'll answer emails, you know? And so, so here I am, and then about 10 o'clock, I get this email and it says, everything's great. Everything's fine. It's wonderful. It's all a gun, done deal. And I'm like, why did I not sleep? I mean, all of this stuff that was happening and here I was, I wasted an entire night stressed out or worried about this and I was anxious for nothing, right? For nothing. Hey, but this isn't a new thing. 500 years ago, this guy, Mikel de Montage, I like my French there. Hey, he said this quote, Right, he put this quote up. He says, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. <laughs> Anybody relate to that? Right, my life has been filled with this terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. We always play worst case scenario. We always go to, oh, this is gonna be it, right? Oh, this, this, this. I read a study the other day that said 85% of the things that we worry about never come to fruition. <laughs> 85%, but we worry, and we're anxious, and we're stressed, and we're afraid, and it permeates our lives, and it permeates our culture, it permeates the world that we live in today. Hey, notice some of these stats. Notice some of these stats. Look at this. 40%, 40% of Americans are more anxious today than at this same point a year ago. Maybe that's you. I don't know. But 40% of Americans are more anxious today than at this point 
a year ago. What, look at this one. 77% of our population experiences physical symptoms of stress on a regular basis. 77%. And then this is the one that really got me. 96% of teens see anxiety and depression as a problem amongst their peers. It's not just an issue for us, right? It's an issue for our children and students and the world that they're growing up in, this anxiety, this worry, this pressure that they feel to perform. And you're thinking, you're thinking this, you're thinking, why? Right, because in our minds, we go the way of the world, and in our minds, we think, well, if I just had more money, then it's gonna solve all the problems. Right, if I get a raise at work, or if I get this job, or I get this bonus, if I win the lottery, I'm not gonna have any more problems. Or we keep thinking, man, technology's gonna fix it, technology. But do you guys know this? We live in the wealthiest nation that has ever existed in history. I'm sure the wealthiest nation ever existed in history. We live in the most technologically advanced civilization that there has ever been. <laughs> and yet stress and worry and anxiety are off the chart. Why? Because it's not those things that are gonna solve our problems. It's gonna come back to the heart. And God knows, God created us. And God wants us to learn to have a relationship with him. God wants us to grow deeper in our walk with him. God wants to be more passionate about him. So that's what we're gonna talk about. I believe this series is gonna be so important for all of us these next six weeks, so don't miss, because we're gonna be camping out on one of the most beautiful portions of scripture that there is, Psalm 23. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to this great chapter in the Bible. Now, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's some Bibles in the back. Love for you to grab one and let's unpack God's word today because God's got a word for us. Uh, we'll also put the scripture on the screen or maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scripture at version. Psalm 23, I mean, it is so good. And, and I'm gonna challenge you guys. I'm gonna challenge all of us. I'm gonna challenge you to memorize this psalm, okay? It's only six verses, so don't stress out, okay? Because that would be, you know, mess up the whole series, right? You know, so it's only six <laughs> verses, right? So like right there, those six verses. So if you can, during this series, you got six weeks, okay? We'll give you a long ramp time here. If you can memorize this, because I think it's gonna have a huge impact on us. Charles Spurgeon, that great pastor, he said, this chapter in the Bible has charmed more griefs than all the philosophy of the world combined. <laughs> and if you think about Psalm 23, I mean, it has been read at more funerals, it's been read in more hospital rooms, it's been read on the battlefield. I mean, this many times is the last words that a lot of people hear before they go home to be with the Lord. It is beautiful, it is deep, it is rich, and it's God's word for us in this series and in our lives. And if you notice here at the beginning, it says just a Psalm of David. A Psalm of David. Now, this summer, we studied the life of this guy, David. And David was known as a man after God's heart. Man, he loved the Lord. I mean, David was a man who, who pursued God. He wasn't perfect. Oh, no. He wasn't perfect. In fact, there was a lot of struggles that he went through in his own life. But man, he loved God. And many scholars believe that David is writing Psalm 23 in his old age. All right, so now he's been king over Israel for 40 years, had a lot of success, won a ton of battles, had a lot of struggles, a lot of failures as well. But now he's looking back on his life and he's writing these words down. And so if you can kind of think about this sage, this wisdom, this passion, this walking with God for all their life and then writing down to you and to me. So don't miss this. And David writes and he pours it out. And he says, we're just gonna be in verse one today. Just verse one, okay? 
He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Look at this. The Lord. Now, if you notice, Lord here is all capital. Right, it's capitalized here. This is the personal name for God. This is Yahweh, Yahweh. The Yahweh is that personal name that the Jews, they wouldn't even put the vowels in the name when they wrote it because they didn't wanna mess it up. I mean, like, they didn't wanna take the Lord's name in vain, so they would just do it Y-H-W-H, right? Yahweh, the Lord, sovereign, God, creator of all that there is, the Lord. And David, I love it, he just starts right, the Lord, right? Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider, all these names for God, all encompassed in this. The Lord is, is. Not the Lord was, not the Lord will be, not the Lord has been, but the Lord is present right here, right now. Whatever you're going through in life, listen, the Lord is, he is here. He is in this place. He is in this moment. He is in your life. The Lord is my personal. And I love that. He didn't say the Lord is our, you know, he is, but the Lord is Israel's. The Lord is the world's. The Lord is my, <laughs> my shepherd, shepherd. Now, if you remember before David became the king, David was a shepherd. So he's kind of coming back to this and thinking, man, I know what it's like to be a shepherd. Now, when we think of a shepherd in our Western mindset, we think of like big herds, you know, like this big, you know, flock of sheep, and, and, and you got the shepherd who's driving the sheep like behind, he's like pushing them, and you got sheep dogs on the side that are keeping them in line, and, and they're going off to, you know, kill the sheep and make money, right? That's kind of what in our mind set. But back in the Middle Eastern mindset, the shepherd, right, he loved the sheep. <laughs> he took care of the sheep. The, the shepherd knew each sheep by name. There was, a, there was this relationship with the sheep. I mean, the sheep was part of the family. But back then, they didn't have dogs, right? Man's best friend. They had a sheep. And the sheep, many times for a family, that was something that would kind of stay in your house or sleep in your bed many times or with your kids. I mean, you knew your sheep. And the village would come together and have one shepherd who would take care of all these sheep, but they would lead the sheep. They wouldn't like force them. They would lead them. And David's thinking back, hey, the shepherd, he knows their names. He knows their names. Now, what's the job of a shepherd? Take care of the sheep, right? I mean, that, that is the job of a shepherd. He takes care of the sheep. In fact, when David would go to Saul to say, hey, let me fight Goliath, you remember what he said? <laughs> Saul's like, you can't fight Goliath. He's a warrior. David's like, hey, I've been taking care of these sheep and I killed a bear, I killed a lion. They were coming for the sheep, I stepped in. David's like, the shepherd puts his life on the line for the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> David's going, God's job is to take care of you. <laughs> he takes care of the sheep. That's what he does. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I mean, think about it, right? So many times in our lives we think, well, I, if I just had this, oh man, all my problems would be solved. If I had this, if I could buy that, if I had this, then I could go away. And I, yeah, all these things that we play. But really in your life, do you lack? 
I mean, really, I mean, you think about your basic needs. You think about food and clothing and shelter. Anybody here? I mean, you haven't missed a meal, right, for a while? Or, you know, you probably went in your closet and it wasn't like, oh, I've got one shirt to wear. It's like, which shirt do I wear? Yeah. We, we have so much. And many times we have to distinguish between needs and wants. <laughs> My kids will come to me and go, Dad, I need AirPods. You know, like, do you really need, I mean, do you need Air, really? You know, like, I mean, you have and David's like looking back on his life going, man, I lack nothing. <laughs> God has met all of my needs. So, so then, right, if the Lord is my shepherd, if I lack nothing, why do we have so much stress and worry and anxiety? Why does it permeate all of our lives so many times? Now, there is a difference between fear and anxiety. Right? Fear is in the immediate. Right? Fear is in this situation. I'm like, ah, I'm afraid, right? And so I'm going to fight or flight. I'm not in the immediate. Worry and anxiety is the preemptive. <laughs> it's the thinking about, well, this could happen. This can happen. This might be. And, and there are things that are symptoms of anxiety. I mean, there's, there's the shortness of breath. There's the can't sleep at night. There's the overanalyzing things. I can't turn my mind off. But anxiety literally is kind of this check engine light. It's, it's like saying, hey, there's something going on. There's something wrong. You need to evaluate. You need to stop. You need to look at where you are in life and what's going on. Amy Alexander uh, goes to our church. She's, she's amazing. She's also the executive director of the Refuge Center right here in Williamson County. And they have about 50 therapists that do counseling with so many people uh, in our community. She just does an amazing, amazing job. And so I asked Amy, I said, uh, Amy, would you come and talk to our communicators? So we have a communicators meeting every Monday where we meet with our communicators from different campuses. And I kind of talk about, hey, here's where we're going in the series. And so I said, would you come as we prepare for this series and talk to us? I mean, you saw, you know, at the Refuge Center, 30,000 cases last year of people and counseling sessions. And just tell us a little bit about what you're seeing and what's happening and what's going on. And she came and was incredible, I gotta tell you guys. So over the next six weeks, you're gonna hear some just <laughs> great things uh, about what's happening out there and what God's doing and how we can apply that in our lives today. But she did this awesome thing. She said, I'm gonna paint a picture for you. And so she goes, just think about this. Think about your happy place. So I want you to go there with me this morning. Think about, we're gonna go to the beach, okay? I know some of you are mountain people, but you know, let's go to the beach, all right? So in your mind, Go to the beach. Go to this place that's just like, you know, for your place, your happy place that you're just on the beach. It's a beautiful day. Palm trees are swaying. There's a hammock set up, you know, and you're kind of walking on the shore. You're just right there. The waves are coming in. There's some classical music playing. You're kind of relaxing now. You're kind of going, ah, you know, you kind of feel your blood pressure going down. Yeah. And then Amy goes, but what if you change the music? What if the music is dun, 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 right? And all of a sudden, your blood pressure goes up, right? You're like, oh, you know, you're looking for the fin. You're like, get out of the water. Everybody run, you know? All of a sudden, you just change that music, and your blood pressure shoots through the roof. Well, here, I pray in this series, we change the music. I pray in this series, we just change the music for our lives and it becomes Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And we start to feel God's presence just bathing over us in a powerful way. 
You, you know, throughout the scriptures, man, there were people who struggled with this in this area. And we're gonna look at some of them throughout this series. Uh, you know, a lot of times we look at people in the Bible, we think, oh, they had it all together, right? They didn't have any struggles. Oh, no, no, no. They were real life people just like you and me. And there was this guy in the Old Testament named Elijah. And Elijah, I mean, this guy was just an awesome prophet. I mean, he is like what you would think of a prophet. I mean, he's just cool and awesome. He's just like, just this guy, he's got it all together, right? And here's Elijah. Elijah, one of his big victories came at Mount Carmel. Ahab and Jezebel, the king and the queen over Israel, were leading Israel off to worship Baal, this pagan god. And Elijah's like, uh-uh, come on now. We're not gonna have that here in our country. So, so Elijah says, hey, I'm gonna challenge the prophets of Baal to a contest. He says, everybody meet me up on Mount Carmel and we're gonna have a contest and see who is really God. And so all of Israel shows up. I mean, picture this giant stadium, right? And here's over this side, the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets there. And on this side, here's Elijah. <laughs> I mean, this is like, you know, Rocky Balboa versus Ivan Drago, right? I mean, this is like, you know, right? This is, this is a big deal. And, and here's all of Israel there. And here's these 450 prophets of Baal. And Elijah goes, you guys go first. You build your altar and you call down and just see if your God will come down and receive your offering. And so these guys all get together and they start building this altar and all these people are watching and then they start to call out to their God. And of course, nothing happens. Why? Because their God doesn't exist, right? So Elijah's over here, he's watching all this and then finally kind of starts talking trash. He's like, hey dudes, maybe you're not yelling loud enough. And they're like, oh yeah, 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 you know, and they're going crazy and dance around and then they start cutting themselves and Elijah's like, maybe he's busy, Maybe, maybe he's got a lot going on. You know what? Maybe he's gone on vacation. Maybe, maybe he's in the bathroom. You know, maybe if you thought about that, maybe you just yell out. They're going, nothing happens. Finally, like Elijah's like, come on, guys, get real. This is the one true God. And he builds this altar. He takes 12 stones, represent the 12 tribes of Israel, puts the sacrifice on the altar. Then he says, hey, y'all go get some water and let's douse this altar. Let's just watch this. And they douse it. He goes, douse it again douse it again, douse it again. It fills up a trench around the altar. And then Elijah prays, God, you are God. God, come down and receive this right now for your name and your glory. And whoosh, fire comes down and just consumes the sacrifice. And all the people are like, what? You know, wow, he is God. And Elijah's like, yes, he is. And he goes over and he kills these 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, the people just rush in and just like, hey, we're done with this. And they take over. And you're thinking, man, great spiritual victory. Unbelievable. Elijah's on cloud nine. <laughs> what happens so often, right? When we have these great spiritual victories, that's when Satan comes in. And maybe you leave church and it's like, oh, I just feel so close to the Lord. And then these challenges start to come up. And Elijah gets word that Jezebel, the queen, is mad. And she's mad because she worshiped Baal. And so, so she sends word to Elijah right after this happens. It says, Elijah, you're a dead man. I'm coming after you. And you're thinking, Elijah's like, bring it. You know, I just took out 450 prophets of Baal. God just showed up. Come on. But it doesn't say that. It says Elijah got scared. He tucked in his robe and he started to run. And he ran for 40 days and 40 nights. He was that afraid. He ran all the way down to Mount Horeb, this mountain, and he, and he goes into the cave. 
And then he hears from God. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And Elijah goes in, God, you wouldn't believe it. Like the whole nation's gone away from you and, and nobody believes. And I, like, I, I'm trying, God, but, but I'm the only one left. God, I'm the only one left. And God says, Elijah, step out on the side of the mountain because I'm about to pass by. And what comes next is this big, great wind, but God's not in the wind. And what comes next is this earthquake, but God's not in the earthquake. And what comes next then is this fire, but God's not in the fire. And then there's this still, small voice. And God's in the still, small voice. What are you doing here, Elijah? Oh, but God, I'm all alone. And God's like, no, you're not. Go back the way you came. I've reserved 7,000 who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. There's 7,000 that are seeking me back in Israel. Elijah, I'm not done with you. You go back. Why did God show up in a still, small voice? You know why? If you're a parent here, you know why. If you're a grandparent, you're an aunt or an uncle. You know when your kids are scared? Maybe there's a thunderstorm that's happening outside and your kids are scared. They get up in the middle of the night and they come running in and, and you don't go, hey, you go back. What do you do? You pull them in close, don't you? And you go, it's gonna be okay. Come here. I love you. It's gonna be all right. Daddy's here. Mommy's here. We got you okay. You're okay. It's in that still small voice that we draw close. It's in that still small voice that we realize he's with us. He's there for us. Elijah met God on the mountain. Elijah goes back, and he goes back in the name of the Lord. He does incredible things for God. He just needed that time. He needed to be in the Lord's presence. If you're taking notes today, here's some things I want you to write down. I don't want you to miss these um, today. If you're taking notes with us, hey, first of all, realize he's God and you're not. <laughs> realize he is God and you're not you know, David starts off with the Lord. He just says, the Lord, right? Many times we start off with our problems. We start off with our worries. We start off with our fears. And we kind of set our minds on all these things. And David goes, no, 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 no. You start with the Lord. You realize he is God and you're not. God is the creator and sustainer of all. I mean, really, think about it. God created the world. God created you. He knows how you work. God sustains the world. God sustains you. He is sovereign over all. Anxiety and worry result from us trying to be in control. Never happened for you? <laughs> Did for me on that sleepless night. I was running every scenario, right? God, if I would have done this, God, if I could have this, God, if this would happen. And God was doing something bigger than I could see. God was making it better than I could have imagined. But I was trying to control it. And so often we do that. I want this to happen. And God's going, that's it? I'm doing something bigger. Trust me. Trust God is in control. Trust that he can handle it. Trust that whatever's going on in your life, that God's got it. It's not catching him by surprise. God's got it. Trust that he is in control. It's gonna come down to a matter of this. 
Hey, secondly, recognize God can bring healing in your life in this area of anxiety, worry, and fear. The Lord is, right? The Lord is. And I love that because God is at work in your life. And maybe you think, oh, no, 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 he's not. Oh, yeah, 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 he is. The reason you're here today is because God is at work in your life. God is drawing you to himself. God is inviting you in. God is pulling you close. God is at work in your life, and he came to meet you here right now today. Anxiety is a spiritual matter, along with physical, mental, and emotional. We're going to talk about this from a holistic standpoint. It has implication, our physical, our mental, our emotional, but at the root of it is going to come back to your heart. At the root of it is what we believe about God. It is spiritual. Now, don't face this struggle alone. And this is the mistake that Elijah made, right? Elijah runs off 40 days and 40 nights to be alone. We don't have to face this struggle alone. God can use others, such as parents, friends, pastors, and Christ-centered counselors in our lives. You know, that's what God put people in our lives for. That's why we're in community groups. That's why we're in church. That's why we're in community. We need one another, but we have to be real. We have to be authentic. We have to talk about what's going on in our lives or where our struggles are. We open up. Everybody's facing a struggle, right? Everybody's fighting a battle. And sometimes we think, well, I just got to put a front on. I got it all figured out. No, no, you don't. We all know. We are all in that for us to be honest with each other. And then there's time to go to a counselor, What's interesting is a lot of times growing up, you know, we'll have a coach, right, for baseball, basketball, volleyball. We got, well, you got a coach. And then we get older and we're like, oh, I don't need anybody. I'll figure it all out, you know. <laughs> and I think about counseling in a lot of ways like that, you know. You have a coach in your marriage. There's struggles in your life or with your kids or people that are there that are walking with you that we can hear from these people and we can share what's going on in our lives. Hey, God can use medicine to bring healing God can work through doctors. We are blessed to live in a technologically advanced society. We are blessed to live where we live. We have got a lot of incredible doctors and nurses in our church. And there's ways that God brings healing through that. About a year ago, uh, a, a good friend of mine, um, we were in a Bible study together, and, and we started watching. I mean, his life was just kind of starting to spiral. And his anxiety was filling him. And we thought, well, it was kind of a midlife crisis, you know, it's kind of that kind of thing. But then... He started going back and studying family history, and this was a, a pattern in his life with his dad and others. And by God's grace, he was able to, to get into counseling, and by God's grace, able to get some medicine. By God's grace, he was able to go through a treatment program. And, and I want to tell you, he said the other day, we were in Bible study, he goes, man, I don't know where I would be without you guys. I don't be where I would be without the Lord coming in and just meeting me. And here he is today, and it was in that moment that he accepted Christ and gave his life fully and committed his life fully to Christ. He goes, it was so hard, but, but God worked with me in the middle of that. And look at what God's doing in my life now. And this guy is amazing. He is on fire for the Lord and just the impact that he's having. And I'm so grateful and so thankful. But God will meet us in those dark moments. God will meet us in those hard times. Hey, don't miss this. Because of God, there's always hope. Guys, there is always hope. And I don't know what you're facing in your life. I don't know what your kids are facing. I don't know what the people around you are facing. But listen, where there's God, there's hope. God is at work. Trust him. Hold on to him. The Lord is. The Lord is my, my. Focus your heart, your mind on the things of God. 
right? Not just my family's faith, not just my country's faith, not just, hey, I'll kind of get by here. No, 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 no. My relationship with the Lord, focus my heart and my mind. God longs to have a personal relationship with you through Jesus. That's why Jesus died on the cross, that you can have a personal relationship with God. But there comes a moment of surrender for you. There comes a moment where you say, God, you are God, and I need help, and I need healing in my life, and, and God, forgive me my sins. God, I want to be made new. Have you ever received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I'm glad you're at church, but being at church doesn't make you a Christian. There comes a time as God draws you to himself, and you step over that line, you say, yes. Lord Jesus, here's my heart. Lord, take and seal it. It's yours. I want to be a follower of Christ. There is salvation, and then there's sanctification. Right? Salvation is us trusting Christ with our lives, the eternity. But sanctification is us maturing. It's that discipleship. It's us growing to look more like Jesus every day. And we have to ask ourselves, is my life looking more like the world, or is my life starting to look more like Jesus? I mean, have you noticed about Jesus? Jesus was never in a hurry, and yet he accomplished more than all of us, right? I mean, Jesus wasn't stressed out. Jesus knew, I mean, are, are we looking more and more like the world? Are we falling into that pattern? Or are we becoming sanctified more like Christ? Are we focusing on him? Are we focusing on the things of God? We gotta change our thinking. We gotta change our thinking. When all of a sudden we have all this stuff in our lives, hey, if I'm gonna go back here and just like look at God's word, if I'm gonna go back here and say, what am I listening to? Let me change the song in my mind. Let me put the things of God in my mind and in my heart. Let me focus on him. Let me focus on him. Look at this one. Understand excessive worry is essentially practical atheism. I mean, really, when you boil it down, right, excessive worry is practically atheism. A little anxiety, worry, and or fear is healthy. I mean, God created this. God gave us this fear. God gave us this anxiety, this worry in a healthy dose. We need fear, right? You need fear. Like if you're going hiking and you come up on a cave and there's a bear in the cave, you need some fear that says, get out of Dodge, right? You don't need to go, I have no fear. I'm gonna go pet the bear. Hello, bear. You know, <laughs> that doesn't go well. Thank God for the fear. If you come up on a rattlesnake, run, okay? I'm just telling you, I grew up in Texas. Those things can jump, right? They coil up. They can jump the length of their bodies. That's like six feet. So, you know, don't even get close. Don't try to pet the rattlesnake or take a picture and post it on Instagram. Don't do that, right? Just fear. Go, move. Anxiety, you need a little bit. We need a little bit. A little bit's healthy. A little bit gets us up off the couch and says, hey, I've got an important speech that's gonna happen at work. I've got an important presentation that's gonna happen at school. I've gotta do something. I can't just lay here. I, there's a little bit that gets us going. It is healthy. We need a little bit of that in our lives that helps us perform, that helps us reach our best. But excessive anxiety, worry, and or fear says, I don't believe in God. When we just get consumed and just like, ah, I'm just gonna push God away. Jesus is called the good shepherd. <laughs> if you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the what? Good shepherd. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is the good shepherd. 
He says, my sheep know my voice. <laughs> they listen to me. Can you hear the voice of God? Can you hear the still, small voice that speaks? This God's drawing you to himself. The early Christians, when they went through persecution and struggles and many were hiding out in the catacombs, some of the most beautiful paintings that they did was about Jesus being the shepherd and putting them on his back, holding that sheep close, walking with that sheep. Number five, remember you lack nothing. I mean, think about it. You lack nothing. With the Lord as your shepherd, he's gonna take care of you. He's gonna meet your needs. He already has. And when you think back of your life and the times that you were so worried and the times that you were so stressed, God came through, didn't he? I mean, you're here today, right? There were times you didn't know how it was gonna go down and you prayed like crazy and God came through every single time. You lack nothing, always be grateful. I think being grateful is the antidote. <laughs> I really do. I think being grateful is that antidote. When that worry, that fear, anxiety rears its ugly head, you just go, oh, look at God, he always comes through. The Lord is my shepherd and since Jesus willingly died on a cross to meet your ultimate need in salvation, guys, then there is nothing he will not do for you. There is nothing he will not do for you. He gave his life for you. And that call for us to be anxious for nothing. You know, Elijah met God on that mountain. And his whole life has changed. He didn't stay on the mountain, right? He went back, but he went back in the boldness of the Lord God who sent him. We're gonna go back tomorrow into our workplaces. We'll be back in our families this afternoon. We'll be back in our marriages and our situations, but we go back in the name of the Lord. We go back knowing that God is with us, that God is for us. You know, when that anxiety comes, when the, that worry comes, it is that check engine light. And when the check engine light comes on in your car, you don't sit there and go, hey, how can I fix that check engine light, right? How can I make sure that, that you know, I can turn that check engine light off? You know what you do? You take the car to the one who made the car. You take it to the dealership and say, hey, can you service this? Can you fix this? When that anxiety starts to come, that worry or that fear, it comes in your life. You go to the one who created you, <laughs> You go to the one who says, hey, I am your shepherd. It's a warning time for us. Hey, go to God. Go to him with your life, with your heart, with your struggle, with your fear, with your worry. God, here it is. And God, I know this. <laughs> I like nothing. God, you are with me. You are for me. You love me. God, I am yours. God, today, would you just put your hand under our chin and lift our eyes to see you? And take our eyes off all the struggles and the worries that we have. God, just let us see you and know that you're at work in those worries and in those struggles. God, that you are enough for me. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God is here. And just like he said to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? And I pray today that you would say, I've come to meet with God. I've come to hear from him. So I wanna ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. 
Every week in this series, we're gonna have our worship team come. It's just gonna have a time to sing over you. And maybe today, maybe today, if you're honest, you just go, God, I need you. God, I've been fighting this battle and I just desperately need you. Maybe this morning you just wanna go, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Maybe this morning it's a day of salvation that you just say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Redeem my life. Maybe God's calling some of you to be baptized. It's like Mary this morning. Put a stake in the ground. God is with me. God is for me. Maybe this morning you want to pray over your marriage or for your roommates or for people who are fighting a battle. But this morning, would you just say, God, speak to me. This is your time with the Lord. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples. We've come to meet with you, Father Meet us in this moment, Lord Jesus. Speak to our hearts today, God. We live in a a world filled with worry and fear and anxiety, and yet, Father, you're our shepherd. And so let us know that you're with us, that you're for us, that you love us. (laughs) Lift our chins so that we can set our eyes on you right now.